0: Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you wait before the show, as you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game podcast
1: hey everybody welcome back to harvesting nature's wild fishing game podcast you got your host here justin townsend and uh today uh, i got a, a special guest with me uh crew chat so uh tori is part of our harvesting nature uh field staff writing crew she's uh helps contribute some awesome recipes and uh adventure stories and all that other stuff that the field staff writers, uh, help put out. So, uh, just want to take a chance, an opportunity and get to know her and kind of what got her into the, the world of wild fish and game cooking and, and, uh, talk a lot about cooking. Cause Tori is, uh, is also a trained chef like me, actually both trained in the same, same part of the world, which is cool. Um, so yeah, but first, uh, I'm going to run through some, some little admin notes here. So Tori, feel free to jump in if you have any questions, but, uh, it's pretty straightforward. So for me, uh, new since my last podcast, uh, spent a week up in Oregon hunting black bear and uh, a great experience, uh, put in about 40 miles over the five days we were hunting glass, a lot of ridge lines, a lot of clear cuts, uh, and then on the fourth day, we saw bears, and then on the fifth day, uh, Ryan, uh, from The Way We Hunt, was out there, him and Emily there with uh, Ben and Colin, Ben, Colin, and myself, so there were five of us total. And on the fifth day, uh, we got Ryan connected with a bear, and uh, we spent the most of the night packing it out, and then the following morning. Uh, but, great adventure, look for some more uh, videos. Uh, short films and uh, written articles about our experiences out in Oregon. So that was that was quite an adventure. Have you ever done any any black bear hunting, Tori?
2: I've not. Um, I would love to though. It's,
1: it's a pretty neat. Uh, it's a pretty neat experience. Uh, you never really realize how big they are until you got up on them. And this one was probably like three to four hundred. Yeah, I'd say like three to four hundred pounds because we weighed all our packs as we came out each time, and we totaled like three hundred something pounds of meat. So uh but just we had to drag it out of a swamp uh, and that took both Ryan and I all the effort we had to like drag it six feet to get it on a flat surface to like work on it
2: I'm I I would like to probably do every kind of hunting <laughs> um nice. that I can um just a big change from where I once was but um I'm also uh okay with taking things slow and I realized that um you know it takes like, I guess understanding certain areas before mo- jumping, uh, skipping parts. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm ready for black hair.
1: I mean, you just—you uh, don't really know till you know, I guess. It's um, very true. <laughs> yeah, I—I had never actually even been to the state of Oregon uh, when we went out, but uh, we decided to go. I've got kind of a little strategy for the way I go hunt public lands, and uh, that I've never been to, and only like e-scouted, and I, I usually dedicate now about a week. And usually the first day is just a complete wash. And then uh, after that, we, we finally, like, you judge each step as sort of a progress of like, oh, hey, we, we found sign to like, oh, yeah, this seems like a good area to like, oh, there's some animals. And then finally, you know, hopefully right. you, you, you get the deed done. But um,
2: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. It, it sounds it, like it a was really
2: um, great experience, too.
1: <laughs> it was. We, we camped out the, the whole entire time. Like, I, I think... The city of Eugene, which I flew in and out of, we only spent uh, I spent maybe an afternoon of one day and an evening of another there. And we were we were in a national forest the whole uh, the rest of the time. so it was pretty awesome. But let's see. I'll go ahead and hit a plug for our Adventures for Food podcast. So Corey is always on the search for guests for that. We've been putting out some great content with everyone telling their stories on those short, uh, condensed versions that run every other Sunday here on the same podcast channel, and then our Facebook community page too. Be sure you're uh, you're hitting that up. That's a great place to go interact with the crew, with fans, share your recipes, share your your hunting and fishing successes or failures, ask questions, all that. All these links are in the show notes to so be able to hit them up. And, and as always, if you like what we're doing, you can always buy us coffee. Uh, you know, you can buy us a cup, two cups, three cups, four cups, seven. That's a, that's about my daily intake. But um, <laughs> it, it's one of those things that uh, keeps us going on those those long, dark nights of editing podcasts and writing articles. It uh, helps say thank you for the things that you love to read and watch and listen to. Um, outside of that uh, our friends over at Allen company if you go over to their website by allen.com that's b-y-a-l-l-e-n.com and uh, shop around there and if you find something you like if you punch in the code harvest 10 you will get 10% off at checkout so that's a that's a cool thing going on that they have uh, they got some great stuff I used a lot of their turkey hunting gear this past spring season and uh, uh, although not successful in my turkey harvesting endeavors, I was, in fact, successful in my gear management endeavors, thanks to Alan. So there's that. But now I want to introduce you all to the Tori. So uh, Tori, has been you've been riding now for us for about six months?
2: Maybe a year. I don't I think we're closer to a year.
1: We're closer to a year. All right. Well, Maybe nine months. We'll, we'll round up. Let's call it a year. Right. <laughs> but uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, like where you're from, where you kind of hang out, what got you into the, the wild, and f- wild fish and game world. Wow, that was a mouthful. Um, please tell us about yourself. <laughs> it's a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so first of all, thank you. Having me on, um, I'm super excited uh, to speak. You know, it's I, I spend a lot of time by myself, so um, getting to speak with people that I communicate with through email a lot is pretty nice. <laughs> um, so I am a wild game chef now. Um, I graduated from I say now because that's definitely um, I, I you if I, when I went to culinary school, if you'd have asked me if I was going to be a wild game chef and a hunter, I would have laughed at you. Moving on though. Um, So yeah, I went to culinary school um, in Baton Rouge and I left, when I left school, I moved back home and I've been a chef for about 15 years now, um, working in and around restaurants all over the area where I live, a few restaurants in Houma, Louisiana, um, Baton Rouge. And now I hunt and cook for hunters mostly.
1: (laughs) Nice. And uh, so when you say you cook for hunters, you get out to camps, and uh, I, I've seen you've done a little bit of traveling around, too, cooking as well.
2: Yeah, um, so all of that kind of just started in the past two years, I would say. Um, before that, I was at Honeybreak Lodge, um, and I left there and just kind of started building my own little path, I guess. And it's really evolved. Um, it's been really fun, and I'm doing... Exactly what I want to be doing. So, yeah, I, I um, it's been a growth process too, and it's almost as if I'm creating uh, a business model, you know, for something that's not like very common. So I can't like go and look up like, you know, you know, as a chef, you you know what I'm talking about. Like you can go and like look up. Uh, oh yeah. This is what this chef does. This is this is all very new, and um, not a lot of people do it that I know of. Um. There's more people doing it now than there was a year ago, and that's really exciting.
1: I think so. It's uh, yeah. I think it's it's growing in popularity, and you know, I I kind of probably hit this one over and over, but I think a lot more people are starting to pay attention to their food. Give it, you know, the the effects of COVID nineteen, the conversations about food security. Prior to that, you get more people out hunting and fishing now than than, uh, you know, in a very long time, which, which is, uh, it's good. So, but it, it's yeah. good to see people doing it in a very conscious, thoughtful manner and, and uh, very food focused uh, versus, you know, some alternatives. So,
2: yeah, cool. and, you know, I, um, I think too on the, on the chef and, you know, restaurant industry people, uh, th- that side of it. You know, COVID really rocked the boat and I think um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people got brave and I've seen a lot of chefs kind of branch out and do their own creative freelance type things and um, interestingly enough I was kind of already building this path right before COVID hit but um, I think that has a lot to do with it too so it's kind of it's been fun to see I'm excited um, for anyone who's getting outside and also dining outside it's a really cool thing.
1: So what's been uh what's what's been your favorite trip that you've you've been on or your your cooking slash camping slash adventure trip so mm. far?
2: So far, man. So I do not. Um, it's hard for me to compare any. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. it, it really, yeah, it really is. Um, but so I spent a lot of time at GK Paloma Ranch, um, right near Eagle Pass, Texas, on the border of Mexico. Um, I spent a lot of time there, and that was, let's see, I was probably there six or seven different times, and um, I loved every moment there. Um, it It's just such wild country. I mean, there's, I don't know, like, it, it almost looks like dead, you know, the, the whole area, and then, like, going out and, like, photographing deer after cooking breakfast so and another thing is um, Hanging out with the guest is a really special part of that. that I actually had no idea would be something um, That I enjoyed like I do So I'm like, okay, maybe it's not that I don't like people. Maybe it's just that I like (laughs) Intentional small gatherings. I'm really honing in on my niche these days
1: (laughs) That's good You gotta uh, you know capitalize on those, those moments for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what got you, what got you into the the world of cooking, fish and game?
2: Um, you know, it, it, it started from, you know, uh, just a need for nutritious foods and a desire to have healthy and nutritious foods. After I left culinary school, um, I had learned so much, you know, about, uh, what, what, what food really is and what its purpose is in our lives. So, um, I just picked up hunting. I mean, it's a deeper and longer story than that, but in reality, um, I had a vegetarian diet, uh, (laughs) for a bit through culinary school. And, um, that was after learning, you know, kind of some of the ways that things were done in our food industry. And my way of like fighting back was I'm not going to eat the shit. You know, and, and honestly, like I was young man, I was very young and mm-hmm. I probably wasn't the best way, but it was cool. I learned a lot about my willpower also in that time. Um, I mean, I learned a lot about how much willpower I actually had. Um, <laughs> and anyway, so when I moved back home, I didn't have access to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or any of those fresh market, great places like that. It um, was like one grocery store and a Walmart. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. So I just took the, um, I mean, the hunting, it, it actually took a while. People had um, given us meat and stuff that I'd cooked and started to taste a bit here and there. Um, but as far as myself, like harvesting, it, it took some time. Gardening has always been a thing, though. You know, that, that was something that I immediately jumped into.
1: Nice. I am I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of gardening we did uh i worked on a number of like farm projects down here in the florida keys i'm actually finishing up one now uh but yeah i love the gardening aspect i think it goes hand in hand and i i think it's very common for people that care enough to go out and hunt and fish for their own food or often at times uh either foraging or growing their own as well in addition and i think it's a it, they all complement each other it just feels good
2: you know i um not to get off subject a little bit but uh and I've thought so much about this recently. Um, there, there's something really special about even our foods when, you know, it's it's a very natural thing for us to appreciate things more when we work for them. Mm-hmm. And um, regardless of the intensity of labor or not, um, that is a, a really natural thing, and we've gotten really far away from that. So, I I think, and and if you'd asked me. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this, you know, ten years ago <laughs> or even five years ago. But as as this whole journey of mine has evolved, that's one thing that really sticks out um, is that you know convenience is not our friend most of the time. Um, <laughs> it's sneaky, and and you know, working for our food is also necessary. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you on that, and I think, uh, you know, there's there's definitely something to be said about, you know, a good analogy would be like buying a car, right? So when you turn 16, you buy a car, you want to hit the road and do all kinds of fun stuff, and you, you tend to, if you have to put sort of that sweat equity and earn the money and all that other stuff to to buy the car, you're going to, the theory is you're, you're going to take care of it more versus like somebody just being like, hey, here's a car. And you kind of don't gain gain the full appreciation for it. And I, I definitely easily transfers over to the world of food, you know. Uh, right. I think especially when like, hey, you know, you're out in the spring, you're prepping your gardens, you're planting seeds. Then you're actually planting things in the garden. Then you're taking care of them day after day after day after day until you're ready to harvest. And then you're putting them on the plate, sharing them with your friends and family you know if you're in the the realm of wild food like the amount of time, effort and energy and often money that goes into going out to be like I'm going to go deer hunting or you know I'm going to travel to Oregon go for black bear like that uh, is is unrivaled by anything else in the world of food.
2: It it really is and um you know back to what you were saying as you know with the car analogy I immediately thought well our, our bodies are our vehicles they
0: mm-hmm. were given
2: to us you know and so it's kind of like our V ve- our vehicles were given to us it's like okay so so your job in life is to learn how to um, connect the dots and and take care of yourself and and utilize take care of yourself so that you can eventually help others and, and assist others to help take care of them whether it be whatever you do. So yeah, got off subject a little bit, but I was like, wow, yeah, we are the vehicles. <laughs> no, no, done. no. <laughs> it's a, it's
1: a great point. I like it. Uh, it's, it's very valuable, um, insight for sure. I just, uh, yeah, I have an appreciation for it, you know, and, and think about it, there's, there's a lot of people, throughout in various generations where it's easy to walk to the supermarket or you know pick up the phone and call or i mean now it's like i can buy groceries on my cell phone i can get uber eats and get whatever <laughs> like it completely takes out it takes right. out uh, a lot of it now it's great for sometimes multitasking but uh there are people who don't have the connection with the food like others do and and
2: right you know and that's another thing like I think sometimes um, there is this this thing too with all of the disconnectedness that occurs. Like I feel like sometimes, um, you know, no matter how honest and like forthcoming I am, like on my basically on Instagram a lot of times or my website, um, like I still feel like people sometimes get this notion. Like I'll have someone send me a message, like. Oh, my God, you're like out in the wild every day. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and it and that always like brings me back. Um, it, it brings me back home to like the importance of, you know, the balance of yes, it's important to like share your truth and be, be boldly honest, but also that like no matter what, people's perceptions are always different than each other's. Like it's kind of and I think the same thing with food and the connectedness. Um, and people's will and ability, or desire, to become more connected. So, another so, rant. <laughs> but,
1: no, no, no. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a good segue here. Uh, you opened it up for me. So, as you began your journey with with wild foods, and you sort of uh, kind of started getting more involved in it, going on your hunts. When was like that? That sort of aha moment that you felt that you felt the emergence of that connection. Do you remember it?
2: Um, I, I, I remember about the time, um, -hmm. it was, let's see. So I would say probably I have to sit here and think about how old I am right now. Um, I was probably about 27, 28 years old. (laughs) So I'm I'm like 34, I think. Yeah. Um, so, but, and, and I remember the time in my life and the chapter I was in chapter of my life that I was in was, um very shambled and broken and um, starting anew again like I'm like okay here we go again you know <laughs> um, I had just moved back home with my kids from Homa and um, my parents we, we had to move back in with my parents and um, that was a pretty strenuous thing I, you know my children are now 13 and 16 but um, then they were much younger so and having to get them registered in schools in the middle of the year it, it was it was a lot and I felt like it what am I going to do? Like I, the shit's just not working out in my life. And at the same time I would go and I would work in kitchens and pull 16 hour days with a smile on my face, making $9 an hour sometimes, you know, and then Mm -hmm. pull 10 out and I'm not complaining about it because let me tell you something, I love getting in a kitchen. And I remember people saying like, you should be making more money at some points. And I was like, I love this i love this this is the place so so culinary was the first you know in a kitchen the mental clarity that i had in that space where all i had to do was be me and create stuff and my fast going mind could just wander and roll so it's almost like when hunting came into the picture i needed the other side of that um and I remember just like sitting in a deer stand, and I started having like all these thoughts. I would have all these thoughts just coming to my head. My phone is full of like thousands of notes of just like some of it's just like people are assholes, blah 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 blah, and then some <laughs> of it's like some of it's like pretty philosophical shit. I'm like, where did that come from? Um, so I, re- I I was just paying attention, and that's that's what it's been for me. It's been a journey of um, paying attention and and honoring the things that do that to us in whatever way, shape, or form. So, um, yeah, I remember that and I, I still, like, I mean, I've told people, like, and even before, you know, people are like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm hunting. I don't have any of the other answers, but I'm hunting, like, <laughs> you know, and and like, where are you going? What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm creating things. I'm hunting. and. And that's kind of when I'm like, okay, so I've got to put myself in this position to um, be amongst all these things. <laughs> so that's kind of where the whole traveling and um, cooking and it worked out. So
1: no, it's good. It's a it's a cool opportunity to get to do that. And, and I, I mean, personally, I like the intersection of you know. I grew up hunting in a very small area, like in southeastern Oklahoma, it's like you hunted there and and you went to the same place every year, your family's land or friend's land or whatever, and you kind of stayed in that little area. Now that I'm an adult and I have the availability and the ability to go travel further away, now I, I purposely seek out more opportunities to connect sort of my love for travel my love for food and my love for, for hunting and fishing and, and just to be like, Hey, what really cool stuff can we do? And, um, I, I think I try to feed, I try to feed all the, all the, all the inlets that Mm -hmm. that I require to sort of find like balance in my life of like interacting with people, solitude, food, creativity, uh, adventure, travel, all that stuff. So it's like, it's it's a it's an awesome thing when it comes together in a good way.
2: Yeah, it really is, and um, I I, I relate to you on many levels to everything you said. That, so
1: <laughs> that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about. Um, so I don't know. We we you touched on it before, but like uh, kind of touching a little bit on the vegetarian side, and then and then heading into wild game. You know, you mentioned uh, moving back home and kind of not having availability of a a lot of uh, qual we'll say quality ingredients, if that's a fair word. Um, But like, could you shed light and kind of paint a picture on on how that path went? If not, it's okay.
2: Yeah. um, So, uh, you know, I've I've never really been a big fan of meat. I'll say that, like growing up. I mean, I did eat meat as a kid, but I was more of like the fish of filet girl from McDonald's. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not the double, not yeah, the double. Yeah, like quarter after pounder softball games,
2: <laughs> all of my friends were getting Happy Meal. I was like, I need a fish of filet. <laughs> so, yeah, or whatever they're called now. Um, so basically, though, um, by the time I was, like, I've, never, and also like fast food, like I've not, I just don't eat it. Um, and I mean, it does, I'm not like, I don't think people are terrible if they eat it. You know, I hate to even say that, but it is a part of who I am. So like, I have to say it, I don't like it. (laughs) Like I just sit there and think about like, I'm like, I could literally just be eating shit or eating shit might be better than this. So, (laughs) I mean, I just don't, um, I don't like that. So the vegetarian thing, um, it was definitely, definitely stemmed from learning a lot about the, um, different areas of our food industry and the processing and how that went down um, in culinary school. So I was like, guess I'm just gonna see what I'm made of. I lost a lot of weight during like a very short period of time too. Um, I remember one of my teachers uh, meeting me in the hallway one day and she was like, Hey, will you please eat? (laughs) I was like, I am. (laughs) I mean, I was actually like not having anything from an animal. Like I was not having Anything. Oh, so you were, like, full vegan. It was, yeah, it was pretty, um, so then I, like, gradually went into vegetarian, and then from that point on, I was kind of moved back home as, like, vegetarian, and that was always Mm -hmm. really easy, so, but I still had this really big desire, like, to just, um, I, I kind of, there's always been this part of me for a very long time, and it's been very gradual and subtle at first, um, to, like, almost like, I don't want to be this fraud chef. Like I don't want to be serving people these wholesome vegetables. If they're not wholesome vegetables, like (laughs) I want
1: to agree one
2: responsibility. So like, if I'm going to serve you Mac and cheese, I'm going to call it Mac and cheese, I'm not going to call it like organic, all fucking grass fed, whatever dairy, (laughs) you know, like, because it's Mac and cheese. Yep. Um and I do value like good quality products and I think everybody does like that's a thing. But so really a lot of it stemmed from a need for food, for healthy foods and a desire to learn, curiosity and to not want to be a fraud. Um and I'm still kind of like that. Like if if I'm going to cook anything, I'm going to research like everything about it if it's my first time. You know, where did where was the origins of this? Who Who's been doing this? Whose culture am I tapping into? Um, mm,
1: that's just, a good one.
2: You know, like, what what is this? And I and then there's the other side of that, that I think um, there's, it gets to be too nitpicky when we talk about the, you know, the different cultures and like, well, this is Cajun or this is Creole and this is this. And it's like, hey, your great grandmother made it. My great grandmother made it and now we're gonna make it <laughs> like
1: it's oh, not we, we could get we could go we could go deep into the cajun versus creole debate here um
2: those things touch nerves <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah they do.
1: you want to hear uh this is this is a really interesting story uh I, I, it touched on it so my grandmother so i grew you know i grew up in oklahoma right and uh so we had a not we it was when my my mother and my aunts were in, uh, in high school. They had a foreign exchange student that was doing some work at university. And this was back in the seventies. Um, and he was from Iran and he stayed with them. I never met him. I never met him. This is long, 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 long before me. Um, never met him but he taught my grandmother how to cook some Iranian food some Persian food and she can still crank out like some really amazing Persian food and I'm that's like That's awesome. This is awesome.
0: Uh, right and so, could you
2: imagine being like oh wait grandma you can't do that because that's not your culture like
0: no. Yeah. You know yeah, like no.
2: that's <laughs> like no like please always cook it.
1: <laughs> it's uh that's one of those things we're not uh I think as long as we're sort of like I guess, properly representing it, as long as we're like in a respectful way, Respe- representing respect the food. It's respect and acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's not like, hey, check out what I what I created on my own. You know, it's the, uh, it's the writer's equivalent of plagiarism. Right. But right. yeah, it's be like, hey, I found this cookbook or I found this recipe or this mention of, you know, this stew from, you know, southern Mexico that I wanted to make. And, you know, yeah, I put my own spin on it, but its origins are still there. Like, right. I, I think as long as that's that's there, we're, we're you know,
2: good. and one of the there's there's a quote and I'm probably going to butcher this. But um, I, I've, I think about it all the time, like in um, different cooking situations or conversations coming up as far as culinary goes. And it's everything that you've done has already been done. Like, Ooh, yeah. not that not that new ideas aren't valuable they surface in a different way but for the most part like it's almost like this very humbling way something about it is very humbling like calm down it's not that serious and Mm -hmm. continue to do this and do it in your own way but that so everything i mean (laughs) human existence um we're not even that old (laughs)
1: like no and and you, you think about concepts like that and it's like there's you know there's the the commonality and the tradition and the educational aspect of it and then at the very top of the pyramid there's like a very few like highly educated highly skilled like elite people right <laughs> in the field that those those guys are like sort of breaking ground, you know, you're, you're Escoffiers or you right. know, you're, yeah. you're, you're Paul Perdome or whoever, like yeah. they're at the top of the pyramid and then everybody else is kind of just like, it's slowly trickling down right. and then we're taking inspiration <laughs> off them, but you never, you never know who's going to be that next person. So uh, that,
2: that is a good point. Keep
1: plugging. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a really good point.
1: But I, 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 f- I forgot why I said that. I say that to say, that's um yeah i agree with you nothing there's <laughs> little there's little that probably already hasn't been done and not to say like you said there's not original ideas and concepts out there but somebody's probably thought about it right
0: get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
1: Want to talk some about some of your recipes that you've done on Harvesting Nature? We can run through those uh kind of do a little uh what inspired you to make them kind of the process just whatever you feel like talking we got we got some time to to discuss them if you like
2: so um camp hash is one of my favorites
1: yeah Um, i like that one too oh man i'm a huge fan of hash
2: yeah um the food (laughs) well and Honestly, that was something that like over the years I've just kind of been doing. My dad used to make it um, in his own little way. You know, it's like leftover whatever, tossed in a skillet and not necessarily your traditional hash. Um, But as I've uh, started like cooking at camps or, you know, cooking at the camp where I hunt here and or even like a big family weekend, you know, like um, anytime there's potatoes or whatever, um, or I, I would also try to like plan my meals to where like, there's potatoes, roasted potatoes one night that can be cold, mm-hmm. like leftover and utilized. Um, and then all those meats, like, you know, like if you do a seared elk tenderloin, then dice it up and throw in your hash. Like, so it, it's a beautiful thing. And I just think an egg makes everything really great.
1: Oh <laughs> so man. An over easy, an over easy <laughs> egg is like. That's pretty close to it's pretty close to heaven right there.
2: Yeah, and like uh <laughs> I think so also after a crawfish boil, um that's another thing. Oh like yeah. a crawfish.
1: I, I use I use all the, the vegetables from crawfish boil to do hash the next day. Uh and I even put the crawfish I'll I'll pick all the crawfish tail and put them in there too. And it's so good.
2: So do people think that you're like crazy when you're like, "Don't throw away the crawfish. I'll peel them. I'll keep them." Yeah, I'll everybody's sit there like, "Why ev- are you doing that?" I'm
0: like, I, I want mean, me.
1: it's it's like the perfect point of the party. You either like it's late enough that you just take like the couple gallon Ziploc bags home with you because there's inevitably just about always leftovers, <laughs> or as everybody's just sitting around, you know, shooting the breeze or whatever, like you just take a pile and you just start peeling the tails and throwing them in a bag. <laughs> it's like. You're just there still ha- talking. You're just peeling <laughs> <Right>. crawfish tails.
2: <gels. laughs> yeah, my family's like, give it to Tori. Throw an ice chest. Tori will take it home. <laughs> and i like spend the whole next day peeling crawfish.
1: Oh, but it's so worth it.
2: Oh, my God. It's so it. worth it. So worth it. Actually, um, not long ago, uh, a few weeks ago, I made I took the lemons. So we had the lemon halves. Uh-huh. And I, um, I treated them as if they were like preserved lemons. And so oh. I... I made a, um, I made a spicy so a spicy from the crab boil, so uh-huh. I like blended them up or processed them I guess in the food processor, and um, put honey some a little bit of uh, Louisiana hot sauce, and some turmeric. So it was like a really bright yellow, beautiful vinaigrette. Cool. Um, and because I, I was like I wow. don't want to throw these away. Um, yeah. So it's like this spicy, sweet, uh, yeah. beautiful yellow. That was fine. Man,
1: that sounds really good. You could bottle that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like,
2: y'all are going to throw this shit away. That's crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, there's so much, and people have different ways, different things they put in their boil too, but like there's a good standard, uh, and I think it, it lends to doing a lot of different things with even like I used to save, uh, I would save the boil water a lot and, uh, then use it later on as like stock. Yep. Uh, cause I mean, you got some good flavors in there as long as you strain it out pretty well,
2: oh yeah, yeah, there's so much you can do with so much stuff,
1: so we were talking about crawfish and it it makes me think so i I edited and we released the uh it's a podcast episode uh with Shrek, who runs the noob Spiro podcast, so he's a a uh, a spear spear fisherman in uh Australia. And so, they call their lobsters in Australia crayfish, which I was like, it's, you know. Yeah. Wow. Huh. And, but the thing is, is the picture that I found on his Instagram with it, it literally looks like a giant crawfish. Um, but it's, it, they're bright red, like yeah. once it's boiled, which blew my mind. Um And we went down a long road of talking about lobster, and we got on the topic of lobster sashimi and all this. uh, Yeah. So anyway, uh, down down, it it was my turn for a rant.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, like that's you just said. You know that it they're not they're not red when they're harvested, and that's something I I don't remember, but I I heard someone talking about that not long ago, and I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Like Uh because we know that we get live crawfish, but so lobster's yeah. the same way. Yeah, it's just uh, kind of the same as um, you know crabs yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like all the crustaceans.
1: But it's crazy because this one lobster is in fact red, and I wonder what color it turns when you cook it though. That's oh, so this yeah, one what? no, this was uh, it was raw. Like he had oh, just wow. cut it. Okay. He was just holding it up in the picture. Like he just dove for it, and it was bright red. Like a, it looked like if you took a cooked crawfish, and you Put it on like a, okay yeah it, it grew up it was that yeah it was wild
2: okay so I was confused wow i'm gonna have to go stalking
1: that's okay <laughs> i probably didn't explain it well <laughs> um well now that we've we've talked about crawfish which is awesome um so the elk pie that's another good one you have
2: so the inspiration for the elk Hot pie uh, came from just, I had a wealth of elk meat in my freezer. Um, A really good friend of mine went uh, on a hunt in Colorado, and he had tons and tons of elk meat, and he gave a lot of it to me, so my freezer was full, and I spent, I still have a freezer full of elk meat. Um, My kids are pretty disgusted with me. They're like, if you cook elk one more time... So I'm not doing it like every night of the week now, but anyways. So yeah, I I um I was just getting creative with it, and um, I think my favorite part about that meal in particular was the red wine reduction uh, with a little tint smidgen of honey in it. Um, so that was a really great thing, and and then the colors of that dish was really great. Add a poached egg, and you're winning. So. It was cool. It was fun, and
1: yeah, it was a. There was a lot of cool ingredients that came together.
2: Yeah, and, and to be honest, a lot of that is just stuff that, like, I'm like in my fridge, and I'm like, wait, I should use this. Wait, I have a few of these left. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm really big on that. Um, most of my cooking stems from having uh, some things that I need to use.
1: Yeah, it's a really cool dish. I like the the use you don't often see. Uh, a lot of meat pies, and that was cool because it was kind of like an open-faced uh, meat pie as well, which which I thought was neat because you get to see everything you're eating. Sometimes you dig into a pie and you're like, what exactly is this? But uh, no question there.
2: Yeah, and you know, honestly, um, it's funny because I have this uh, – There, I, sometimes I can be fully um, in the zone. In the, like this baking and pastry um, zone of like aesthetically pleasing and perfection. And then sometimes I'm the polar opposite. So um, I'm pretty sure that when I started that, I was like, I'm going to do this beautiful lattice work. And then I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to eat. We're hungry. <laughs> <So>
1: <laughs> well, if we can, let's let's uh, let's touch base a little bit on the, the bass and arugula salad we got listed here. That looks pretty good as well or sounds good.
2: Yeah. Um, that was my most recent thing to prepare. Um, I had, um, some bass that my son and I caught and, um, I did jump up and go buy arugula for that recipe. Um, because I, (laughs) I love the way it tastes and I had some, some fresh raspberries that I, um, made into a vinaigrette. So, and then pickled quail eggs and, um, yeah, it was a there was a lot of beautiful colors with that.
1: Sorry, I like the way you served it on the open on the, on like the cutting board there. It's really cool. It brings all the ingredients like out in the open.
2: Yeah, I any opportunity I have to put something on like a slate or wood. <laughs> I'm I'm always, I'm always looking for something that's not like a, a plate. I get really bored with plates.
1: So, uh, what, what type of, if you don't mind me asking, what type of bass was it?
2: Um, so, that was largemouth. Ooh, yes. Um, we caught, he caught about four that day, about a month ago. And um, he caught four and I caught two. So, he definitely kicked my butt fishing that day. <laughs> but um, I kept some of them whole, two of them whole. <laughs> and the two that I kept whole um, I did salt crusted fish with those and then what was on the salad was actually, I left the scale, scaled, but left the skin on and kind of left the rib cage in it too. So very light on seasoning. I just tried to keep it as healthy and basic as possible with some spritz of lemon it turned out pretty good.
1: Nice. Yeah. I think it's fast. has such a mild flavor. Sometimes it's pretty easy to overpower it too. If you get super crazy yeah I agree. you know a lot of a lot of people snub their nose at, uh, at people who eat largemouth bass. I don't I grew up eating largemouth bass that was a huge food source for us, but there's definitely I think some competition fishermen and some anglers in modern times that that are a gas when someone uh, talks about eating largemouth bass but
2: is that true? I mean I could see that so I wonder what what I mean do they want you to throw it back? and not yeah. eat it, or they just don't want to clean their they fish. They want it
1: to get bigger. So your last recipe that I want to hit on is rabbit sauce piquant. Sauce piquant. There you go. <laughs> this is the accent now.
2: <laughs> there it is. So the rabbit sauce pecan, basically, um, you know, I grew up with uh, watching my grandfather and my dad, like, sit over a stove and babysit a roux. So every kind of meal, basically, that um, every meal that I I grew up knowing, um, especially in reference to like Cajun or I might screw this up, Creole, (laughs) Um, my my parents or my dad and my grandfather, they really um, took their time with it, which is something I value now as I'm older. But I also as a a mother of children who get really hungry and do not want to sit there and watch me at a stove stir a pot of rue, um, I'm always looking for quicker ways to kind of uh, speed up the process of something and also maintain the integrity of the food, um, especially when wild game is concerned, but also for the health benefits um, of everyone who gets to eat the meal. Um, so basically, I um, jar roux, man, you know, you, got, <laughs>
1: it's you gotta do it. You gotta do it sometimes. Thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, that's another thing. With, uh, it, it, it turned out really good. And I, I, that was actually probably my third or fourth time making a sauce pecan. and, um, I had, we had harvested the rabbit, uh, the day before and I was like, it's going right in. So, um, I really love cooking at hunting camp and being amongst my people. I feel really comfortable getting creative there. Um, it's a little different. Whereas when I go on job, you know, you have people with specific wants and needs and, Mm -hmm. um, they may not want me getting all creative (laughs) as much, which, (laughs) you know, it is what it is.
1: So on this recipe, did you, uh, did you completely fry the rabbit or just like brown it and then add it in and let it stew in the, In the sauce,
2: so I um I I believe I'm I believe I fried it in in ghee. Uh, I I may not have I'm not sure I haven't looked at that recipe in so long. But most of the time I'll tell you this with frog and squirrel or anything I always try to use ghee. But um because I I like butter I think butter's a great (laughs) but ghee especially Mm -hmm. just I don't know I think it leaves a better flavor anyway. So. I I did let it get crispy on each side, and then I kind of set them aside, and I made my sauce because sauce, Um, and then I put them back in there. So that that helped maintain some of the crispy outside so it wasn't like soggy, bready stuff floating around. Um, It worked out pretty good, though. There's always things, though. I mean, no matter what I'm cooking or how long I've been cooking something, there's always something that could be done different or perfected.
1: (laughs) Nice, I like it. It's it's cool. It's a good recipe. Um, I made some. Uh, the restaurant I was working at down here for a while, a couple years ago, they got an order of uh, alligator in, and normally they would get like an alligator sausage, and instead they got like alligator tails, and they're like, "What do we do with it?" And I was like, "I got the perfect recipe," and so uh, I, I nice, yeah.
2: Man, that's awesome. That's when you get to say, "Yep, roots." <laughs> This is my contribution, guys.
1: Yep. So it it was good though. It was uh, it came out really well. I think we sold, we ran it as a special, and maybe I I, I only made like fifteen, fifteen or twenty of them, but we sold out by before dinner, which was I was happy about.
2: Nice. Yeah. Man, a sellout's always a good sign.
1: Yes, yes, it is. Eighty six. It. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Say um, it again. As we sort of wrap up here, we're fighting through some technology issues tonight, but um, I guess what upcoming plans or or adventures or travels are are you looking forward to here in the in the future?
2: Uh, good question. Um so I'm actually leaving uh this weekend back to Record Buck Ranch in Utopia, Texas where I will be doing a wild game cooking demo and a little bit of field dressing um for it's a women's skills camp. Uh, super excited That's about sweet. that. And after that, I will be hunkering down um, again and kind of scheduling things and booking things. I'm hoping um, sometime within the next six months, uh, if if not be- right before hunting season begins. So if not in September, I'm looking to probably in March host some kind of wilderness to table dinner um, and bring together a bunch of chefs in the wild and do a really exclusive dinner experience, possibly overnight camping. Um, I'm trying really hard to piece all that together because I think that's like uh, kind of the ultimate goal, like to, to get these experiences and to be a part of kind of curating and creating and inspiring people to get outside.
1: That's awesome. Well, let, let me know uh, if you need some help or on that. I'm, I'm happy to to go. I'm, I'm- uh, leaving the Florida Keys and headed to Colorado. You've already so. been
2: added to the list, my friend.
1: <laughs> good to know. <laughs> good to know. But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll be able to travel a little easier uh, here coming up, being more in a central part of the U.S., so uh, that should be good. But uh, outside of that, so this is kind of the, the point in the show where, where we do a – Sort of last thought, uh, any misfires, alibis that that, that we have. And uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and since you're the guest tonight, open it up to you. Do you have a last thought you want to leave leave us with uh, before we close out?
2: Um, you know, <laughs> there there's a lot to be said for um, paying attention in life in general. I, honestly, if that's one thing I can tell people, like if that's the one that concerned learned <laughs> in every endeavor, pay attention. <laughs> That's it.
1: Nice, I like it. Pay attention. That's a good takeaway. Um, well, I really appreciate you you hopping on with me tonight and uh, battling through the technology issues that we've had. Um, and it's been a really great show. I've enjoyed chatting. About food and kind of going into some of the philosophy about food and learning more about you and and sharing more about your experiences in the, in the hunting and fishing world, which is which is awesome. Uh, I, I think you're you're doing a great job in the space, and I'm excited to see uh, what, what else you got and cook and all the other stuff. Right, uh, hopefully join you in cooking adventures. So uh, a lot of fun can come from this. I think for sure.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you saying that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say everybody else out there, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, show notes and recipes are just below wherever you're listening to this podcast. You'll see the links there. You can click them, go straight to it. And uh, oh, one last thing. What's the best way for people to connect with you if they have questions or, or want to make sure they're following you on social media?
2: definitely instagram is where i'm most active as far as social platforms um that's the underscore gathering no g at the end underscore girl um and then also i've uh my friend ricky folder and i have been hosting um a we have a club in on clubhouse where we speak with different um different people about their point of views in the outdoor space and kind of also we we have Quite a few really, we've had some really cool chefs come on.